There's a model of heaven down here below. It's a picture of glory sublime. With the glorious body of Christ our dear Lord, live here on creation of thine. Our Savior has given the sweet sacrifice for a bitter and sinful old tree. You hunger between heaven and earth, my dear Lord. Increase my devotion to thee. The beauty down here, it just gives us a glimpse of lovely and marvelous scenes. That heavenly city is calling me home, that wonderful place of my God. Our Savior has given the sweet sacrifice, what a bitter and sinful old tree. You hunger between heaven and earth, my dear Lord, increase my devotion to together, we're going to look at the book of 1 Timothy, specifically one of the chapters, chapter 4. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to see some of the things that Paul tells Timothy that he needs to not do and, and really not have any part of. That's why the first part of this lesson is called to refrain. But then there's also some things that Paul tells Timothy that he needs to do. So that's why the second part of this is train. So we have refrain and train. Both of those are very important for us to focus on. Because if you focus too much on one or the other, you're missing out on, on a very important part of the gospel message. I hope that our church um, is, is not one that is known only for what we don't do. That, you know, we are people who don't do this or don't do that. Or, or maybe we teach against this thing or against that thing. Now, there are certainly some things we don't need to be doing as Christians. And there are some things that we as Christians uh, firmly planted in the gospel of Christ we need to stay away from some doctrines that we need to stay away from. However, if that is all that we are known for, we need to, to seriously you know, rethink what we are doing as a people because we are called to be so much more than that. Jesus himself was not known for just the things that he was opposed to. He was opposed to some things and we need to be opposed to some things. But he was also known for the things that he was teaching us to do. 
We need to focus on both of those. And here in this chapter, we're going to see them together. Now, we're going to mainly start with the things that we're not supposed to do, and then we're going to go to the things that we are supposed to do. But I'll go ahead and I'll warn you right here. There's a bit of a mixing back and forth between them. But we'll notice this as we look at the text together. So let's, let's dive into 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with, as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because um, it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. So here in this passage, um, this is this is the type of thing that we need to refrain from. You know, obviously Paul is warning Timothy that, you know, look, the Spirit does tell us in many different places in the Bible that in the later days, you know, the end times, what we might think of, which, by the way, we're living in those end times. We're living in the, the later times, the last days. The Bible refers to that time period in, in several different ways, but it's referring to the time after Jesus has come. Because once Jesus came, he ushered in the last days. He's the Messiah, the only one that we are expecting to receive. And now we live in a time in which the Messiah has come, Jesus Christ has come, and the Holy Spirit has been given to his church. We are living in the last days, the final days. Now, We've also been living in them for the past 2,000 years. So I don't know how long they're going to go for. You don't know how long they're going to go for. But regardless of that, the Spirit says that in these last day, days or these later times, some people are going to abandon the faith. Guess what? We kind of, kind of already know that. I mean, we, we know that even in the Bible, um, in the New Testament, there were some people who were abandoning the faith. We need to refrain from such things. In fact, we need to distance ourselves uh, firmly from these. Because when you look at this, um, you know, he gets into some of the specifics in verse 3. I'm not going to go into to much detail about those because, you know, those are the things that, that Paul was dealing with and Timothy was dealing with during their day. Now, it might look a bit different. In fact, it might look very different during our days. But what we know is that people are still going to find different ways to invent these, these ways of abandoning the faith and then following these, these spirits that don't come from God and things that are taught by demons. We are taught by Christ. Christ is our teacher. We need to always uh, follow his teaching and what he has done. So here in Paul's day, uh, some, some of the things that people were, were struggling with is, is realizing the fact that things are good. Things that God has given to us, they are good. I love verse 4 and 5, and it's so powerful. And, and we need to really understand the power of prayer in this. That everything God created is good. Remember back in Genesis after he created everything, which by the way, after like almost every day of creation, God says, oh, well, this was good. This was good. This was good. And then finally at the very end, he says, this is very good. You know, he looked at everything that he's made and he says, it's very good. And we're told right here that everything God created is good. Yes, that's from like the first few pages of the Bible. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. That's so powerful in, in the word of God and prayer. God has created these things good, and we receive them with thanksgiving. Who are we thanking for them? 
God, of course. God is the one who has given us these good things. If we receive the good things that God has given to us and we receive them with thanksgiving and pray to God and be thankful for the great things that he's given to us, then we see that everything that God created is good. Let's not abandon this teaching. Let's hold firmly to, to that part of that what God has made is good. I've mentioned this a few times, but Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, we read, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. That's what we read about from the first few pages of the Bible, probably even the first page of your Bible uh, that verse is found. So the the different types of doctrines that Paul was dealing with, or Timothy was dealing with, or let's face it, today, there might be some teachings that go against this. No, we, we, had, we don't need to have any part of that. We need to recognize the things that um, God has given to us. What the word of God says is good. And God saw all that he had made and that it was good. We need to refrain from anything that, that disrupts these clear teachings in the scriptures. Now let's keep working our way through this, this passage in 1 Timothy, though. Now let's look at chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truth of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. This is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Wonderful truths taught right here. But let's see that, you know, as I as I stated, you know, it's not like the first few verses are just talking about the things we're supposed to wave, stay away from, and then now we're moving on to this, this training part. Um, we see a little bit of both. Especially in verse 7, um, Timothy is told, don't have anything to do with those godless myths, those old wives' tales. Don't have anything to do with those. What he needed to do is train yourself to be godly. I want you to think about this. How many times do we think of our godliness or us trying to be like God? How many times do we think of that as, as training? You know, how much effort does someone put forth in order to learn and be good at a particular sport? Or, you know, maybe... Maybe you played a sport or are playing a sport like in high school or, or maybe even uh, before that. You have to train a lot. That's why they have so many practices. In order for you to be good at something, you have to train. And, you know, maybe there's also a hobby that you're into right now. In order for you to be good at that hobby, you have to train a lot. You have to do a, a lot of, of, uh, of things. You have to have a lot of discipline. So why do we think that being like God, being godly, you know, and, and uh, obeying the, the commands of God, why do we just expect that to naturally happen? We don't see that in anything else. There's so many things that we have to be taught. There's so many ways that we have to, to train ourselves to be. Why don't we ever think about training ourselves to be godly? Because in verse 8, physical training does have some value. It, it is. And, you know, let's Let's face it, many of us, we probably could use a little bit more physical training. There is some value in it, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Think about that. It's all well and good if you can um, do these different training exercises here physically and that you're physically fit. That's, you know, that's great. Many of us aren't, but, you know, for those of you who are, great. 
But godliness, what's the value in that? It's not just about the value in this life, but it's also about the value in the life that is to come. This is why Timothy is encouraged by Paul. Make sure that, that you train yourself to be godly. Take time. Put forth the effort into all of this because it's worth the effort and you need to put forth an effort. I also love verse 10 that we see that, you know, our hope is in the living God. And whenever you think about our living God that we serve, he is the savior of all people. Now, that doesn't mean that all people are going to be saved because, you know, obviously we see in the in the New Testament that, you know, even Jesus himself said that it's a, it's a narrow um, road and it's a narrow pathway uh, that leads to um, to, to our, our Heavenly Father. But we see it, it that's not what is, is meant by that, but what is meant by um, that God is the Savior of all people is the only way for us to be saved, the only way for us to be delivered is through the living God. All other ways, it's powerless. It's, it's meaningless. The only true way is through the living God, who is the Savior of all people. He is the only Savior. And we see especially of those who believe. Well, yeah, especially of those who believe because we receive not only del- not only deliverance and good things here in this life, but also in the life that is to come. Just like that training ourselves to be godly. Maybe we need to put forth a little bit more effort to train ourselves to be godly. And you might be sitting there thinking, how do I train to be godly? Let's take a look at this next slide together. And the next few verses. We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 now. This gives us a little bit of an outline, maybe some things that you, or, well, let's be honest, myself, that I could work on, that you could work on, so that we can do better in these areas. Verses 11 through 16, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Okay. So let's kind of walk our way through these things here that, uh, that Timothy is being told uh, by Paul. So he is told to train yourself in godliness. What does that look like? Well, Timothy is a younger guy. Paul, by this point, he's not, an old, he's not a younger guy. He's an older guy. But he's encouraging this younger Timothy in verse 12. And he says, don't let people look down on you because you're young. You know, and, and if you're someone who's young, I remember whenever I would be considered young and looking at this passage and thinking, that's yeah, all well and good that Paul tells us to do that, but I mean, how, how do we control what somebody says or think about us, or how can we control whether or not they look down on you? Well, I think the rest of the verse tells us some of those things. The reason how uh, you can control this, I mean, you, you can't ultimately control what other people do, but here in verse 12, you can give them no reason to look down on you because you are young. Uh, there's a difference in that, and I, I hope you you understand the difference there, because he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers. Okay, so if you are the type of young person, or uh, let's just kind of broaden this a little bit, also older people, if you're the type of old person or young person, just if you're the type of person who sets an example, then you don't have to worry about people looking down on you. Now, 
we also have a few different ways. Now, this I don't want you to look at this like a checklist because many of the lists that we receive in the Bible, they're not supposed to be a checklist to say, okay, well, I've got that one, so I'm okay with that one. Uh, I'm not okay with that one. I'm okay with that one. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm doing good on this checklist. It's not really supposed to be done like that, but it can be a good guideline for us to use. So right here, the type of example that Timothy is called to set is one is to set an example uh, for the believers in speech. Think about that. I want you to think about each one of these. The words that come out of, your, out of your mouth, what type of person, what type of character do they show you to have? In conduct, what do you do? Like, how do you really conduct yourself? Conduct, uh, conduct just your everyday life. What about in love? When's the last time you've really thought about how you love? And, you know, we're not really talking about romantic love at all. We're talking about this, this love like the love of God, that type of love for just your fellow man. Are you an example for believers in love, in faith? What about your faith? How much faith do you have in God? Now, there's different ways that you can help build your faith and help encourage one another to build up your faith. But having faith and being an example for the believers is so important. We also see finally... Uh, the, the last thing that he mentions right there is impurity. Are you pure? Now, that means getting rid of all the impurities in your life. That's what it would mean to be pure. Uh, almost everybody uh, that I know of um, can stand to use a little bit of, of, uh, uh, of more purity right here and getting rid of some of the impurities in our lives. Because we are human and we so easily fall into the whatever specific trap or whatever specific kind of human nature uh, might get you and you might fall into. We need to, to recognize those things, especially whenever they go against what God wants us um, to, to be about. So Timothy is told to be an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Those are, that's a pretty good place for us to start, all of us to start. Timothy is also told, you know, he's, he's in charge of of helping out with uh, this church here uh, in Ephesus. And in verse 13, he is told that uh, until Paul you know, comes and stuff, uh, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and teaching. Um, and you know, as we look at that, we might think, okay, so how much do we really have the public reading of scripture in, in our churches? Um, this is one of these things that personally, I really think we need to do a whole lot of. I think we need to um, even perhaps put forth a little bit of an effort in training some younger men um, about the public reading of scripture and the power of reading the scriptures uh, in public and us gathering around the scriptures because the scriptures, they're the word of God. We need to be focused on these things. That's why if you ever hear me preach, uh, you will see that I like to use quite a bit of, of scripture because I believe that we are supposed to be a people who are brought together by scripture. Another thing that he is called to devote himself to is to this preaching and to teaching. And I think those two things are, are very closely connected in our preaching and our teaching and how we encourage one another and how we teach people uh, the ways of the Lord. But then do not forget verse 14. I think it can be easy for us to forget. In verse 14, Timothy is told, do not neglect your gift. Now, Timothy's gift, I don't know exactly what it might be and I don't know, you know, exactly what type of person um, you would describe Timothy as. Just like I don't necessarily know each one who might be listening to this video. I, I don't know exactly what your gift might be, but I do know that the Holy Spirit has given you a gift. If you are a part of the church, you have been given a gift. 
to help build up the rest of the body of Christ. Do not neglect that gift. Accept it. Embrace it. Use it to build up the body of Christ. This is what we are called to be. And then finally, the, the last thing here in verse 16 that, uh, that Timothy is told is to watch your life and doctrine closely. Doctrine is just a fancy word for what you teach. So Timothy is told to watch his life, to watch what he teaches closely. Because if he does those things, and if he is faithful in these things, that he will save both himself and his hearers. What we do impacts not just us, but the people who hear us and the people who maybe kind of imitate the same thing that we do. Can we work together to refrain from the bad things that come into the world, to bad doctrines, bad teachings that go against Christ? And can we train ourselves in godliness to be godly people? And can we build each other up and encourage one another and build up the church by using these gifts and being these examples to one another. That's what Timothy is told. And I believe the same thing can be stated for us as well, that we need to be the same type of, of people like what Timothy was told to be. God the Father of all men, ruler of all nations, master of the universe, Lord of all creation, can it be that we are the people of the marvelous world? Can it be that I am a child of my wonderful God? Servant of Creator God, fashioned in His image, lower than the angels yet, crowned with earth's dominion, can it be Graciously forgiven, can it be that we are?